0: Head over to homethreads.com slash D I J F Y, short for dinner not I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Home Threads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D I J F Y
1: today to get 15% off your first order.
0: When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust.
1: What do Jamie Lee Curtis, Hozier, and Jamila Jamil all have in common? They are guests this season on the all-new podcast from Lemonada Media, As Me with Sinead. Activist, academic, TED talker, Vogue cover model, and the first ever little person to be dressed by Gucci for the Met Ball, Sinead Burke helps us understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes by asking her guests what it's like to be them. Did you know that Victoria Beckham was bullied as a child? or that Riz Ahmad suffers from imposter syndrome? I did it. Every single chat is absolutely fascinating. Subscribe now to As Me With Sinead wherever you get your podcasts.
2: That almond extract too, which is my sort of twist on it, but the, the almond flavor to me just makes it feel like it's not a, a homemade chocolate chip cookie. It feels like I just paid like $5 at Dean and DeLuca for this cookie or something, when really I just pulled it out of my freezer and popped it in the oven. So it, it has like a, a deliciousness aspect that I think we don't see with a lot of chocolate chip cookies sometimes. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You. A podcast about feeding us kids.
0: Hi, I'm Stacy, and I'm Megan. Welcome to this week's episode of Didn't I Just Feed You, where we're going to talk about cookbooks with Brian Stewart of Salt and Spine. Woo-hoo, we love Woo-hoo. Brian. Back, we love Brian. Back, he's back for more. Okay, but since he's back he's become a dad. Last year I know. when he was on the, the show, he wasn't a dad yet. And now he's got a brand new baby girl. I know. So sweet. And I love that he talked about her in the show so much. He's like, uh, I need different cookbooks now that I'm a dad. Yeah. <laughs> preach. That's what, we, that's what we're talking like, about. Don't want to say we told you so, but, but,
1: you know what? That actually brings me to a Petty Crocker rant, uh, random off the cuff.
0: Yes, give it to us. You, <laughs> well, know you know, I'm here for it. You know
1: that there are food writers, the professionals, worst.
2: bloggers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the whole rant. Oh, my God. Just Who started before is. they had kids, had yes. kids. And I would say that most of us, certainly all the people we've had on our show, are like, Yeah. Wow. Whoa. Like things got real. Like we had to adjust. Like we get it. Like we love to cook, but you guys might not. And you're dealing with all this stuff that before we had kids, we didn't realize how hard it was. There are a few outliers who now have transitioned into writing about kids, but Mm -hmm. still had the same attitude they had before they had kids. Like oh, you guys, it's so easy to put together a quiche from scratch. Like, what's the big deal? If I can do it with my kid or two kids, so can you. And it's like, you know what? F you. That's what I have to say about that.
0: Like like I mean who are you I know which pretending what ch- not to sweat while you make that quiche yeah. and like scream at your children.
1: And dude, by the way, like yeah, I'll I'll do that with you. You want to be on a competitive cooking show with me? No problem. Like I know what you're talking about, but like we're not creating content for each other. Like I don't yeah. give a crap if you have my book or you think what I talk about on my podcast is, like, crap or low rent or whatever. Like, we're here to service parents. And, like, if that's not why you're here, why did you transition? Like, you had a perfectly good career just talking to, like, foodies or, like, more expert cooks or whatever it is. Like, stay in that lane. If you're going to come over here into the family space,
0: (laughs) like, be real. There Mm. you go. Stay in your lane. Also, not every meal has to be a five-star meal. I mean, give sometimes a break. it's hot dogs and tater tots on a sheet pan. Oh my <laughs> god! So I showed my
1: kids. Okay, so Megan's talking about something she shared on our joint Instagram, which we are at. Didn't I just feed you on Instagram? Yes, and, and individually,
0: Stacy is at Stacy Billis, and I am at Megan underscore spawn.
1: So on the didn't I just feed you account, you shared an image of. It's just a very funny image.
0: It came from an old Instagram story that I did, where I was kind of poking fun at like the titling that we use a lot. Also, you were poking fun at me a little bit. No, I I don't like. I know you love hot dogs, and I feel (laughs) neutral about hot dogs, and so it's always like a funny point for us. But like, we do these we do these recipes where it's like one pan five ingredient, 20 minute meals. And I, and it's always like beautiful food still, right? It's kind of like what you're talking about. We're still making beautiful food, but we're just like trying to make it fit into weeknight cooking window. And I had tater tots and hot dogs on a sheet pan and like jokingly titled it. Here's a one pan 20 minute dinner or something like that. Also Instagram.
1: Do I have a dirty mind or like, was there something like loosely phallic about the whole thing.
0: I mean, the dogs and the tots. T and A, Stacy. Oh my gosh. Isaac I saw now the I like photo. to look at it and be like, is yeah. it? No, look.
1: I thought they were just penis and balls, personally. <laughs>
0: But maybe it
1: was penis <laughs> and boobs. I don't know. I I do have two male children, and they are in that age frame that's where everything is yeah. That's well, no, Isaac saw dinner. Straight oh, okay. up, Isaac, like for the last few days, has been like, oh, I'm really craving tater tots and hot dogs. I'm like, I have never purchased, as you guys know, because you all listen to the tater tot episode. I've like never purchased tater tots for our home. I'm like, really? Like where what you're craving tater tots and hot dogs? And I'm like, oh yeah, you saw that picture and you're still thinking about it. (laughs) You really (laughs) you you wakened something in him.
0: (laughs) Sorry, hate it for you. Gotta make tater tots and hot dogs. There's a recipe for (laughs) what (laughs) <laughs> Sheep hand, tater tots, and a hot dog <laughs> 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 Didn't I Just re- his Instagram? Okay. It's probably what I'll be making all December. I was gonna to get say, us how through how fun would that be as like a a festive, like just for fun dinner? Sometimes yes. you have to do that stuff. Um, cause ooh, <laughs> believe it or not, we are like flying into the holidays. I keep saying holidays, ahoy. Uh, which no one in my family finds funny or entertaining. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk with Brian oh Stewart of Solid Spine about the cookbooks that you should buy for gift giving and some of his favorite cookbooks from 2019. Um, and we did have him on in 2018 to do the same. He gave some great um, advice if, you, if you're looking for books as holiday gifts. But Stacey, I'm going to put some pressure on you before we talk to Brian and ask you, what are two things on your personal Aww. Christmas list? And then what are some things you're grabbing for the boys or to give to other kids in your life? Ah, I'll go first if you're yeah, like go really. First. Okay. <clears throat> a couple things. Oh, wow, my- that was
1: a really pointed question. You're <laughs> like, here's my question for you, Billis. Oh, what? You don't? Okay. I'll go first. I know. Here I it goes.
0: <laughs> Listen, you had three minutes of warning right. before we Do started it. recording. Do I it. said, I'm going to ask you this question. Do it. Go. Okay, for myself, I want a cake tester, which is like an inexpensive little tool that like OXO makes or Wilton makes. It's basically like a metal skewer with a great little grip on it. It's awesome for testing cakes, but you can also use it when you're like cooking fish to see how done your fish is inside by like putting the cake tester in it and then pulling it out and feeling what the temperature is. So that's like a little stocking stuffer thing that I want. Remember last year when I was like, I really want a milk frother for Christmas. Yes, I do. And I was like joking around that everyone was going to get me one. And the only person who bought me one was my husband, Brian. And he bought like the cheapest one possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's already broken. So I'm putting a milk frother. Frother, a different one. I want the one that you have, which we should share in stories. It's like a little more expensive, but it feels like it would last forever. Is it a KitchenAid?
1: No, it's not a KitchenAid, but Mike did a lot of freaking research on it. It makes a lot of noise. It's
0: big, but it works. It's not too big. It's like the size of a small blender. Yeah. It's not a really small blender. A really small blender. It's not like an espresso machine where it's like frothing the milk or that big where it's gonna take up a ton of counter space. But There are a couple bloggers that I love, and they've been making, maybe it's a Breville. Man, we should, I'll find it. Mine
1: might be Breville. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I linked to it in an episode, so we'll re put put that in the show notes. Like we've talked about it on the coffee episode, we talked about it in gift episodes last year. So that's like high on my wish list. I definitely. Want a real deal coffee frother, but also because you can make hot cocoa and stuff in it too, or matcha lattes or chai tea. Oh my
1: gosh! Can I tell you, speaking of hot chocolate, let's give a shout out to our former guest Shauna siever oh, We yes. actually mentioned her in with this Brian, episode. We have a new cookbook
0: out.
2: Yes,
1: on her Instagram. She shared a recipe from one of her older cookbooks for malted milk, white, hot chocolate or something. I don't remember what she called it, but it was basically a white chocolate, hot chocolate with malted milk powder. The recipe looks so freaking delicious. I've been like thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I have to go get some malted milk powder. Yeah, so good and you can make it with your milk frother. Yeah,
0: malted milk powder is one of those like secret ingredients that makes everything just a little bit better. Hot chocolate, milkshakes, smoothies, you can bake it into brownies and blondies. It's a good ingredient to have. Put that on your Christmas list. Oh, snaps. <laughs> um, I don't oh, I do know what the kids are getting, but I wanted to share this thing this idea. My friend Emma does this really smart thing where every year they do a theme for everyone's Christmas presents. So this year they're doing a camping theme and it like they're buying like everyone's getting a new sleeping bag. They're buying a family tent. They're buying like all the little things so that next year they can do um, adventures. And in the past they've done like art themed Christmas or like travel themed Christmas. And I just think that's really fun. So even though I don't know what I'm getting my kids, I just wanted to share that idea with you.
1: That's a very cool idea. I like that a lot. Although any theme that would make my kids happy probably won't make me happy. So I don't
0: know that (laughs) we'll adopt it, but I like it. (laughs) Just an idea. Not for you, for anyone. Okay, now the pressure's on, Stacey. Just one thing that's on your gift list. I don't know what to buy you for Christmas. Oh, no. The
1: one thing on my gift. See, this is my problem. Everything I always want is very expensive because I'm basic And I like to be fancy. Uh, There is a bag I've been coveting. Oh. That, like, I got an email from the designer because I follow them on, like, email or Instagram. I don't know, whatever. And it was like pre order, like, fall deliciousness, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's like $2,000. And I was like, oh, I wish I could (laughs) get that bag. And, like, I look at the email, I save it, it, the email, and I look. And one day I was like, I'm going to just do it. Like, I'm going to just do it. And I like clicked through and I probably really wasn't going to do it. But then I got all worked up because like it's sold out already. Um, It's not even coming out till spring. I don't know. It was like a whole thing. And like, I'm not going to tell anyone because it's too expensive, but I like, I secret like I want Santa to bring it to me like magically. I don't want to tell anyone. I just want Santa to like show up and this bag and be like, how did you know?
0: Wait, does Mike know? No.
1: Oh, I'm not. I, it's that it's it's excessive. Okay. I also really need a KitchenAid stand blender. Really, mine. After years, we was gifted to me for our wedding. We got married many, 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 many years ago. <laughs> many, many. And, you know, it like I repaired it once because the bottom of my paddle was scraping and it took me so long to repair it that some of the like coating over the metal peeled off mm. and I still just continued to use. it. <laughs> um, but like, it's really time. I mean, it's like a, you know, 20 year old stand mixer. Yeah. So that was something that's on my list.
0: I think that's a great thing to have on your list. And that seems more realistic than the back. Yeah, it honest. is for sure. But. Santa, do you hear me?
1: Um, and for the kids, I mean, it's the same thing every single year. Isaac just wants sneakers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, we're, so we'll see. So that's kind of easy in a way. Yeah, it's easy in a way.
1: And Oliver is always just a delightful surprise and will change his mind like 50 times between now and when I have to buy a gift and then I'll buy something and then he'll probably change his mind 50 more times. So Wait, <laughs> I really what about, don't know.
0: like some baking stuff for him.
1: Yeah. So he does love baking. And one of the things, cause also do you have this thing where like every family member like inundates you with emails and texts being like, yes. what should I get for the kids? Yes. Does it make you
0: resentful? Um, no, I actually kind of like it because then I can control what the kids, <laughs> With the grandparents gift does that make sense yeah
1: it yeah. drives me bananas does I'm it? like oh my god figure it out yourself like I'm so busy I can't figure it out for you guys and I never get back to them on time it takes me forever to get back to them but they're all like all the grandparents are retired and so they understandably that's how I'll be when I'm their age they're like I'm ready like I'm doing it yeah. now I'm I'm ahead I have the oh, time yeah.
0: Mine, my, my in-laws, my mom relatives started asking at the beginning of November. Yeah, but remember I shared this last year that um, when the kids say they want something, yes, I share it again. Take photos, uh, take photos yeah. of whatever they're at. Whether it's like they see it on YouTube ad, whether it's like we're at Target and they see it, whether it's in a catalog. Which we got a lot of toy catalogs this year. Like Amazon so sent sweet. one, Target sent one. Ella gets the American Girl doll catalog in the mail, which I'm pretty sure came from my mom. Um, <laughs> That's funny. So I take pictures and I just save them in a folder on my phone so that when it's time to make lists, I'm like, oh, here are like all the things they've wanted this year.
1: That's so smart. I should have done that. I didn't. But anyway, Oliver does love to bake. He loves sprinkles. So like you, that'll be on the list. I'll probably be hitting yeah. you up for ideas. And also... Handstand Kitchen is this brand that we love,
0: and Wait, we I've were never recently heard of them before.
1: Oh, I love them! They're so great, and we were recently introduced to Yvette, the founder, okay. and they make the most adorable baking sets, and really kitchen tools for kids. And like yeah. that's really their mission is to like make high quality. But correctly sized kitchen tools for kids. They're available in a lot of the big box stores. They're available on Amazon. You can also buy directly from their site, handstandkitchen.com. And you know what, you guys? I can't promise for sure, but Yvette was saying that, you know, she loves us. We love her. Why don't you follow us on social media? We're at didn't I just feed you on Facebook? and on Instagram. And I'm going to talk to Yvette and see if we can get you guys a discount code. Oh. <gasps> I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask her. I think that would be nice. Like, I'm going to ask that fever because we love you guys. They are not a sponsor, to be clear. They are not paying us. This is just a brand that I love. I'm probably going to get all of her, several things from them <laughs> this holiday season. But it would be good for you guys to check them out. And I'll try to get you guys a code. Fingers crossed.
0: Okay. I feel like that was just, like, an amazing <gasps> I little know, sprinkle in the middle of this episode. Oh, and we shouldn't waste any more time getting no. to the guts of it. The juicy... The guts.
1: <laughs> I
0: like it. The, <laughs> the juicy cookbook info with Brian... Wow. Do we need to introduce Brian any more than saying he is the host of Salt and Spine podcast where every week he has cookbook authors and experts join him to talk about what they're cooking, what books they've written. It's just really such a fun podcast. If you aren't listening already, you should be, you should go and subscribe right now. I love the little games that he plays. He had Allison Roman on and he played this like lipstick and food partnering game with her and it was just like the f- most fun interview I've listened to in a long time um, and we got to chat with Brian about his favorite cookbooks for 2019 what do you do to like keep your creativity alive whether it like comes to producing the podcast or for like feeding your family
2: I mean just terms in terms of generally being inspired I I get very inspired grocery shopping and going to the farmer's market and we have a wonderful grocery store here, Berkeley Bowl, that is full of amazing produce and like unique ingredients. And that's sort of like one of the places I go if I just need to physically go somewhere and feel a little bit of inspiration. In terms of feeling like creativity around the podcast, I mean, I listen to a lot of other podcasts. I listen to your podcast. I listen to a bunch of food and non-food related podcasts. And I think- That helps a lot. I mean, I've been sort of busy, obviously, the last three months (laughs) with a a newborn, but I try to read as many cookbooks. Yes. And she's wonderful. And she, you know, actually gives me a lot of inspiration, although I can't quite feed her things yet. I'm like already preparing for like the first time I can give her her taste of everything. Yes. Yes.
0: I feel like that's such a great answer. For me personally, in my work, I felt like having my daughter my firstborn gave me like a rudder, like I was working in food for a long time before I had her. But then I was kind of like, oh, this is like a problem for a lot of people is like figuring out how to feed their family. And it really helped um, define my niche in food media. And I think Stacy mm-hmm. would say the same thing, like it helped direct both of us. So it's very cool. Also, it's very sweet that you listen to our podcast. Can you shout out any other food podcasts that you love that our listeners might love?
2: Yeah, I love let's see, ones that your listeners would love. I love Melissa Clark's new podcast. I think it's oh, yeah. called I haven't checked it out yet. Weeknight Kitchen, maybe. I'm hope I'm getting the title right, but it's through through the splendid table. Um, and they're short little episodes, and she pretty much just cooks through a weeknight meal almost in real time. A lot of like wow. cheap pan dinners, you know, things that she's sort of known for, but she's just, she's a great presence wherever you're watching her on, on TV or, or on video or on like through the audio waves. And it's just, I love it. It's new-ish.
1: Yeah, she's great. She's going to be joining us oh, great. in 2020. Oh, yeah. great. We're very
2: excited about it. Yes, um, I've been loving that one lately. That's new. Um, I'm really excited that Racist Sandwich is back, yes. which is <laughs> like different. It's in a new form and new co-hosts and Solejo, the former host, has moved on, but I'm really excited for those conversations because I think they're so important. I also love Proof, the new podcast from America's Test Kitchen. They sort of go deep on ingredients and sort of um, looking at different types of different food items and exploring some of the unique history that sort of has led to how things fit within sort of our culinary breadth and and how we cook today. And I think it's just really fascinating little segments that sort of um, give you a little more context around ingredients and some culinary history and really fascinating. And then, of course, I have to... Um, Shout out Julia Tertian's podcast, which I feel like has been around a year or so now, but feels new-ish to me still. And I think she just has such great conversations with people about how they think about work and work-life balance and all sorts of things that are just really sort of... It's a warm, warm listen. It's comforting and it's deep. And it's really nice to see that side of um, food personalities too.
0: One of the things I love about having you on is I always think I know how you'll answer and it's not ever how you answer and (laughs) it's still, (laughs) yeah, I was like, oh, you'll say the food cast, like these bigger, you know, podcasts and you just came out with great recommendations. So I want to ask sort of like a tricky question, Mm -hmm. which is you've bet that you've had another great year of the salt and spine podcast thank you and you've had so many amazing guests talking about their cookbooks so i want to ask it's like a two-parter question what are three of your favorite interviews from the last year since we last had you on and then are those also favorite cookbooks or do you have three favorite cookbooks from the last year of salt and spine
2: It's so hard to pick favorites of anything, whether it's interviews or cookbooks, but I will will tell you some of my highlights. And we have had some incredible interviews this year. I think the one that really stood out to me this year was Ruth Reichel, who was out with a new sort of memoir with recipes about her time at Gourmet Magazine. Um, But just the ability to sit down with her and talk about food media, the state of cookbooks today, and what she's seen over the course of her career it was just a, it was an incredible interview, and I felt so privileged to be able to hear her opinion on so many matters that we're facing today, as a food industry, as a cookbook industry, and also just her general sort of knowledge and expertise. I loved sitting down with Priya Krishna, and that's an overlap, I think, with one of my favorite cookbooks of the year. She wrote Indianish. She's a young writer, writes for the New York Times. Grew up in Dallas, Texas, Indian uh, Indian American family. And her cookbook is, it's beautiful. It has excellent recipes that I think are really achievable for home cooks and pull in a lot of flavors that we love, Indian flavors that we love, some spice, um, some of the spices that we're used to with Indian cooking, but in a really easy and accessible way that sort of also merges her like desire to, as she was growing up, desire to eat foods that she was seeing her American um, classmates eating like pizza and things with her Indian, the Indian cuisine that her family was making. So there's things like a roti pizza um, in the book that was something that she ate a lot as a kid, and it's just a really fun and unique approach to food. And I think it's it's also in addition to recipes that just work really well and are delicious, and I think are easy to achieve on a weeknight. It's just a great glimpse into like her life and her perspective as um, you know, a, a young person growing up in America in an immigrant family. And it's also just, it's beautiful. There's some beautiful illustrations and beautiful photography. So I think that was both a, a favorite interview this year and also a favorite cookbook for sure.
1: I just want to chime in because I also love that cookbook.
2: So and good. I think
1: it's such a perfect cookbook for this moment in time as a first-generation person myself, Mm -hmm. even as I was writing the head notes of something in my upcoming cookbook that'll be out in spring, I actually explore this idea of like, what does authenticity mean? (laughs) And this is a big question we're all asking, like, who gets to report on what kinds of recipes? And it's just complicated because as a Greek American, does that make me an expert on Greek food? I mean, not really. I grew up on my grandmother's Greek food, which was made with the ingredients that she could get in New Jersey, you know, which were different than the ingredients she was working with when she was cooking back in Greece. And her own cooking kind of morphed over time because her kids were becoming Americanized and they were interested in other things. So it's just such a like lovely way of speaking to all these issues that I think we're grappling with in the culture, but in a really fun and light and totally delicious doable way.
0: I just want to add that we did Indianish as kitchens cookbook club book for October and people were really into the bread omelet, which is a recipe that you can find online, but it's like this very herby omelet that you cook with like white bread on top of it and then you fold it together and it's basically the most delicious two minute dinner, breakfast, lunch, Eat on the fly kind of recipe. And I think it's brilliant for families too. Like Indianish really does walk that line of new and exciting, but also like easy enough to do for a weeknight and not feel like you're really pushing a boundary for your family who's maybe like a white bread and butter family.
2: (laughs) Sure. Pushing so wh- them just enough, right?
0: Just enough, and so it's, not- it's
2: just so fun too because she she actually did the book with her mother. So yes. when we're talking about family cookbooks, I mean they they spent time together to you know developing the recipes that she remembered as a child, and it's just. It's such a warm and nice um, book to read through, too.
0: So what is your third episode or cookbook favorite from this last year?
2: Okay, I'm going to give you one of each because this one is not a crossover. Okay. uh, Third favorite interview is recently we sat down with Lazarus Lynch and he published a book um, this summer called Son of a Southern Chef. Cook with Soul. It's it's a lot of soul food. His dad was a Southern chef. Uh, I want to say from Alabama. I'm pretty sure. Um, he grew up in New York. And the fascinating thing is, he is he's a young guy. He's really sort of embodies like the next generation. I think of food personalities. He he had the first Snapchat cooking show. Oh wow! Which is like a cool thing on its own. But his book is so bold and bright. It's just like full of this amazing Technicolor photos. So the book is super fun, but his conversation, his interview in particular, was just so fascinating to hear about how he came to realizing, you know, at an early age that he really wanted to be involved in food. And he went to a a food immersive high school in New York City and just is sort of like a real rising star in, in the food scene. And I was just thrilled with our conversation. So that was a super fun interview. And then favorite cookbook, third favorite cookbook. Again, hard to just narrow it down to even three. But I think one of the ones that I've cooked from a little bit this year already that I'm really loving is Sababa by Adina Sussman. You might be familiar with Adina Sussman. This is her first sort of solo um, solo cookbook that's yeah. that's of um, large volume. I think she did a, a couple, like she did a short stack, one of those ingredient specific cookbooks. But her sort of big claim to fame is that she was the right hand person for Chrissy Tech Chrissy Teigen, or as as we've learned, it's actually Chrissy Teigen. Um, <laughs> although she doesn't correct people anymore, but yes. her two cookbooks, um, and which are amazing cookbooks, I think on their own. Sort of for a celebrity cookbook, the recipes are incredible. They work really well. They're really unique and delicious. And then this is Adina's first book, and she it's it's called Sababa: Fresh Sunny Flavors from My Israeli Kitchen. She grew up in California, but she spent most of her spent many years in Israel and now lives there full-time in Tel Aviv. And Israeli flavors, I think, are just so, I don't want to say on trend, I hate saying that, but they're so popular right now in the United States. And we're seeing, you know, things like shakshuka just sort of like has been taking over brunch menus for a while, but also is now becoming like a staple for a lot of home cooks because it's really easy. And she's got some shakshuka recipes in here. They're just really, I think, accessible recipes that sort of challenge home cooks in like just the right amount where it doesn't feel daunting, but it feels new and unique and comforting. And it's just a beautiful book. And I have loved cooking through this one.
0: That's such a good pick. And I I think there's a really interesting thread to take from this idea that we don't want to say things are trending, but that mm-hmm. they do and culturally, that can be challenging, but it can also be really refreshing too, like, to see other cultures have their uh, mainstream moment and become just part of our collective. I mean, how, where would we be without hummus now? But even sure. like 15 years ago, the grocery store didn't have all the options that it has. So I think that's a really great pick as one of your favorite cookbooks of yeah. the year.
2: And we actually had a great interview too. And there's there's a moment that I'm thinking of now in our interview where she we were talking about sort of that concept of Israeli flavors taking hold in the United States. And she's predicted that someday we're probably going to see like a shakshuka pizza from Domino's. It's probably not going to be delicious. But she said Israelis are <laughs> going to be like jumping in the streets and celebrating. Like, <laughs> look what we've done.
0: I don't know. I think that could be really delicious.
2: It, it's possible. Yeah. I don't know. I do love a good Domino's every now and then.
0: Who doesn't? Except for Stacy. We had a whole episode about pizza and she's just, (laughs) she lives in the epicenter of cheap slices. So she's, I I don't like Domino's.
2: I don't really eat it anymore, but it has a fond place in my heart from many a college night. (laughs) Well,
1: that's how I feel about Pizza Hut.
2: (laughs) Okay, sure. From high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back when they had the salad bar. Yes. Yes. (laughs)
1: feeling it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have a one more left field question about you and your opinions (laughs) before we jump into some picks that you did for our listeners which is for this very moment in time, what's going on culturally, what's going on politically, what the kind of year we're going into politically with an election coming up next year, Mm -hmm. you have a newborn, like Mm -hmm. when you're just like, oh, what a day, like what cookbook are you going to grab off the shelf to make something for yourself?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think there are two things that come to mind. One, we love Alison Roman and her her first cookbook, Dining In, is probably one of my most used cookbooks on just like a weeknight basis. Um, I think her recipes are just great. They're easy. I, there's a couple of them that have become um, real staples in my life, including in particular, there's this cauliflower pasta. And it's actually, yes. you yes. know, the one it's like yes. it goes in the pan with the cream The cauliflower sort of breaks down. I don't think it's in either of her cookbooks, actually. I don't think it's just from the New York Times. Times. But it my, is my
1: yes, yes.
2: go-to weeknight recipe, especially when people are coming over. I'm like, just throw some cauliflower pasta on. So, <laughs> so I delicious. did a
1: version on my personal um Instagram stories because oh, okay. my nine-year-old is obsessed with this recipe. It's so and good. It's so good. And it's so easy. So yes, 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 yes.
2: And those like pecorino breadcrumbs mm. that are so easy to make, but just go on top. So so Alice and Roman is sort of like my go-to. Um, source if I just need to like feel comforted by some the act of cooking and the <laughs> act of eating like with everything going on in the world that's yep. sort of where I go to the other element there is um, there's a new book out this year called every day is Saturday um, by Sarah Copeland who has worked at a number of food media outlets I think most recently at real simple magazine and I've cooked a little bit from her book but the real star for me is she has a chocolate chip cookie recipe Um, every year I feel like I find a new cookie recipe from a cookbook that I just can't stop making this year. It's hers and it's a melted butter, wooden spoon, one bowl situation. She puts a little bit of almond flour in, and then I like to substitute the vanilla extract for a little almond extract just to up the the almondy. Uh, flavor, but it makes three dozen cookies, which freeze. The dough freezes exceptionally well, and you can just bake them off. And I, for the past, like basically ever since I had a newborn, have not gone a week without having a stockpile <laughs> of those in my freezer. And my wife and I can just like pop two co- chocolate ch- chocolate chunk cookies in the oven, and yes. it's perfect.
1: Yes, I love those choices. I feel them. I feel them deeply. Uh, <laughs>
0: I feel like every parent of a newborn is like yes i would like to have a stockpile of chocolate chip
2: cookies in my freezer i know it's so simple and uh, so delicious
0: and i think a chocolate chip cookie is a perfect pick for like 2020 in general because i think we're gonna see a lot of like anxiety cooking and anxiety baking from everyone as we head towards the election. And that's sort of like a soothing classic comfort that with that little bit of almond flour and almond extract is just like a nice little twist on it to to feel new and fresh. It sort of makes
1: it more nourishing. It's like the comfort of a chocolate chip cookie with a little twist, but that almond Oh, you know me and protein, (laughs) Megan. (laughs) I'm like, whatever we do, let's add a little protein.
2: The other thing it does is that almond extract too, which is my sort of twist on it. But the the almond flavor to me just makes it feel like it's not a, a homemade chocolate chip cookie. It feels like I just paid like $5 at Dean and DeLuca for this cookie or something when really I just pulled it out of my freezer and popped it in the oven. So it, it has like a, a deliciousness aspect that I think we don't see with a lot of chocolate chip cookies sometimes, for instance.
1: Yeah, I don't want to digress too much on this almond meal thing, but (laughs) I (laughs) recently made um, blueberry muffins and I Mm. think it was a recipe from, oh, you guys know I'm under the weather today, so I'm forgetting the big famous delicious bakery in San
2: Francisco from Tartine
1: from Tartine Uh and their blueberry muffin is a big oversized muffin that has a little bit of almond meal in it too. And it's true that that addition is what kind of takes it from feeling like just, you know, your standard delicious homemade flour, butter, et cetera, blueberry muffin Mm -hmm. to one that's like, Ooh, like where'd you get this? Yes. I'm like, oh, I got it at tartine, except it's just in my freezer right now. <laughs>
2: right. I love that.
0: Which isn't that the whole point of cooking from cookbooks, anyways? Like, I think most of our listeners are pretty not co- always confident cooks, but they are competent cooks, right? And they and they sometimes just want a meal that feels special, or they want to take like something that feels familiar, like pasta and cauliflower, and upgrade it in a way that feels like a luxury so that cooking doesn't always feel like a drag, it feels exciting. So I think our first category that we'd love, some cookbook recommendations, Brian, Yes, because you're our resident cookbook expert by default. Oh,
2: thank you. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if I am worthy of the term expert, but I'll take it.
0: Is cookbooks you would recommend for people who say they don't like to cook?
2: Ah, yes, okay, a good, a good challenge. I'm gonna go back. I have I have at least two, um, okay. and I'll I'll share them both with you. I'm gonna go back to Alison Roman a little bit because we I cook a lot from her first book, Dining In, but she has a new book called Nothing Fancy. Yes. Um, and I've been cooking from it, and it's it's incredible. The concept is she doesn't like to call it an entertaining book because she doesn't like the term entertaining. She thinks there's you know sort of too much pressure around that word. So for her, it's a having people over book recipes that can work when someone's coming over for dinner, but I've been cooking them for just myself and my wife and they work perfectly in that regard too. Um, There's a chicken stew in here that I'm, I've become obsessed with recently. It's almost like a, um, the flavors of sort of like a cow soy, but it doesn't have noodles. It has chickpeas instead. And there's some uh, bone in chicken that just slow cooks in this like really Slightly spicy uh, but really flavorful coconut milk broth, and you top it with some roasted peanuts that give it this like great crunch. It's so easy, you just pop it on the stove, let it simmer for like 45 minutes, and it's so delicious and warming. She has a lot of great salads in here, but I think it just feels inspiring. Like, if you're a person who's not really motivated to get into the kitchen, I think we've seen. Alison Roman in particular seems to have a way with convincing people that they can do it and that recipes are accessible and that, you know, you can up the ante a little bit by just playing with some particular spices or ingredients and making dishes that just like really wow you or wow others. Even something as simple as she has like a recipe here in the new book for smashed sweet potatoes. Um, So a baked potato, but a baked sweet potato, and she just smashes them and drizzles some maple syrup on them, some sour cream and a little bit of citrus and olive oil. And it's just like, it's beautifully plated. It's so simple. It's the easiest thing, you know, on Monday night, grab a sweet potato on the way home and everything else is in your pantry. And I think it just really does sort of make you feel enabled to cook and to cook well.
0: How often do you see Alison Roman's work whether it's one of her cookbooks or like something she's doing on Instagram or something she's written in the New York Times and you're like, ugh, why didn't I think of that?" because it's like <laughs> so obvious and yet like very thoughtful?
2: Yes, yes. all the time. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> all the time. Just the other yes. day in
2: fact, I was I was cooking through her new book, nothing fancy and She also has a few recipes in here that are written in sort of a narrative form, right? So there's not an ingredient list with measured ingredients, but sort of a guide on how to make something without a lot of constraints. One of them is an herby salad, and it's just a salad that's like basically 50% greens, traditional salad greens of your choice, and then 50% herbs, like whatever mix you have. You have parsley, dill, just sort of like balance it out drizzle in some oil drizzle on some um citrus a squeeze of lemon or lime she's not a fan of making vinaigrette she says just the oil and the the acid both go on and they get tossed and i was just i was making it and i'm like this is so so intuitive like of course this is how we make a delicious salad but at the same time we almost like needed alison roman to tell us yes it's okay to just go into the kitchen <laughs> Throw any herbs you have into a bowl, throw in some arugula and and you're set and it's delicious. So all the time I'm, I'm inspired by her and think she's just phenomenal at developing recipes that people want to cook.
1: I yes. think you're so right. The vinaigrette is such a great example because when I think back to how my grandmother dressed salads and Greek salads in general, it's just, you know dousing with olive oil and then a combination of red wine vinegar and lemon juice. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And every time I do that, I'm like, oh yeah, like why am I bother shaking up like with a little jam and a little Dijon and I mean a time and a place for everything. Sure. But that's such an excellent example of her magic.
2: Yeah, totally. And I asked her because she used to work in restaurant kitchens. I'm like, is there a part of you that cringes? And she's like, Listen, little secret, nobody in restaurants is making vinaigrettes. They're not making vinaigrettes to dress your salads, and they're coming out delicious. So we have her blessing. <laughs> <laughs> the other one that I think is just really inspiring for people who might think they don't like to cook is the new book, uh, the first book from Carla Lolly Music of Bon Appetit magazine. Oh, yeah. It's yes. called Where Cooking Begins. Yes, Where Cooking Begins, Uncomplicated Recipes to Make You a Great Cook – And I think it's true. The recipes are uncomplicated. Um, They're really accessible. One of the things I love most about this book is she spends a lot of time at the beginning sort of workshopping on how to stock your pantry, how to grocery shop. Um, That's a, a big thing we talked about with her. She's a big proponent of shopping Online for things that are boxed or canned. She has a list, right, of things that aren't produce or, or meats and things that you want to sort of pick out on your own. But she really approaches grocery shopping in a great way. And then throughout her book, all of the recipes have ways to spin it. So, like, she's got a charred broccoli salad here and she has just all these variations. So, sub in the cauliflower for broccoli if that's what you have. Or she calls for um, some dates in this, and she says golden raisins are fine, or dried sour cherries, and there's three different types of cheeses. So almost every recipe has all of these ways to spin it. And I think it just feels really inspiring and accessible. And if any, I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen, and they've sort of taken over YouTube with their videos. And they also sort of really have seemed to touch on how to get people interested and motivated in cooking and just feeding yourself. And she spends a lot of time at the beginning of different techniques, too. For instance, a dozen ways to saute is is one section. Um, so it's really just, I think, an accessible book, and it feels really inspiring uh, and it's just so craveable. All the recipes in here are so delicious.
0: Do you think that either or both of those books speak to cookbooks for people who feel like they don't have time to cook either? Or are they more like for people who just need inspiration in cooking?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. I think most of the recipes in both Alison Roman's new book and Carla Lolly Music's book are pretty accessible. They're not For the most part, super time consuming, and I think they they both do a good job of calling out when something is more of a weekend meal or a project meal that might need to you know slow cook overnight, for instance, or something. So I think they are sort of accessible for people who have busy lives. I mean, I've I've got a newborn, and I'm cooking from both of them (laughs) lately. So if that's any indication, (laughs) but I think yeah, they they sort of thread that line between being inspiring for people who might want to spend more time in the kitchen and they're not. And also for people who cook a lot at home and just feel like they want new recipes and new ideas and to a burst of creativity. I think it, it does both of these books sort of do both of those things, which I love.
0: And it's kind of per- like makes them perfect gifts. If people are thinking about gift giving cookbooks. Okay. Totally. so This is also along the line. This, this category is also along the lines of gift worthy books for parents who want their kids to cook their own damn dinner <laughs> slash kids who are actually interested in cooking or baking i think some books walk the line of e- of both right
2: yes yes I love this category. So I have two. I think one um, is great for kids who are interested in cooking um, and especially families who are interested in cooking together. It's called The Pasta Friday Cookbook. It's Ooh. from Allison Arevalo. Yes,
1: I love this one. Yes, oh my God, so, great pull.
2: Thank you. It's so fun. We had her on earlier this year and she, she was a blast. Um, she started a mac and cheese restaurant in Oakland, California a while back. She's not affiliated with it anymore, but that's sort of her... Um, initial claim to fame. She was dubbed the Mac and Cheese Maven, which is the best (laughs) title you could ever want. Yes. Um, But she, after sort of leaving this restaurant that she had created, she poured her energy into holding these weekly Friday night pasta dinners for anybody um, in her sort of network of people to just come over. She would make pasta and a salad and that's it. Somebody brings wine. But what she's ended up with then is this cookbook of 52 recipes, because she did 52 of these dinners, for different pastas that are all really easy, all really accessible recipes that, like for the most part, kids and, and young kids can get involved with in some way, if not sort of execute entirely on their own um, and, and wow the rest of the family with delicious pastas. And every recipe uses a different pasta shape, which is also just super fun. I think kids love pasta. We all love pasta. And so playing with different shapes and different sauces um, and that act of sort of like coming together and cooking something that's simple and usually relatively affordable and easy for kids to do. It's it's a great book. I think it's it's definitely worth checking out if your kids are interested in cooking.
0: Also, I'm a little like, wait, there are fifty-two pasta shapes. I want it just to know what all those shapes are.
2: Oh my gosh, there's even more than that. She had a list of ones she hadn't even gotten to yet. One of which there's a pasta that's actually shaped like little bicycles.
0: Oh. And
2: she's wait she told me she's waiting for a mac and cheese um recipe that uses that, like a bike and mac. Um <laughs> But she has all these great pasta shapes in there. Um, and and I had actually not too hard of a time finding some of them. I mean, she has substitutions, right? If you can't find a, a particularly obscure shape, there's, of course, other pastas you can use. But it's just fun to sort of experiment with the different shapes.
1: I want to know what the Italians call that because I bet it has a really fun sounding name.
2: <laughs> I bet it does, too. <laughs> The second book that I think is really great for kids who are interested in cooking this year or cooking together with parents, Jamie Oliver, the the British chef, has a great new book called Five Ingredients. And it's this big book and all of the recipes have five ingredients. That's it. And so it's really accessible for like a young person who's interested in playing with flavors because something as simple as like a jar of harissa which might be a new and exciting flavor that, you know, now we can get at Trader Joe's because it's thanks to the popularity of Israeli flavors is everywhere um, can be combined with chicken. And he has some great recipes that sort of use pantry ingredients like that to sort of make things quick and easy and accessible. And he has, I think five kids. Um, So he knows what it's like uh, as a chef and a father of five. So I think that's a really great one. It's full of cool photos of the ingredients and it's very, photo heavy. And it's just super fun.
0: I love that you picked books that aren't necessarily cookbooks for kids. Like America's Test Kitchen has a new kids cookbook this year. That's right. Because I think a lot of times kids who are interested in cooking feel like talked down to that. It's like very kiddie recipes where it's like, actually there's an entry point for kids to cook that is at an adult level, whether it's pasta or just like simplified ingredients.
2: Totally. When I was a kid, my first cookbook that I was obsessed with was an Alton Brown cookbook. And I forget exactly which one, but I loved his show. And that was like, you know, I made a big deal of going to Barnes and Noble and like using my allowance money to get his cookbook. And that was really inspiring to me as a kid. So I think there are cookbooks that are sort of designed in a way that are accessible for lots of people, including young people.
0: Is Alton a holy grail guest for you, Brian?
2: Oh, totally. Yes. Really? <laughs> I know, I know, I know you know him, and I would love to have him. And I'm so happy his show is back with new new episodes. It's it's awesome.
0: Okay, we'll have to connect offline about that yes. then. Okay, Cece has a question.
1: Oh no, it wasn't a question. It was thinking about this idea of a cookbook for kids that isn't written for kids, because I also think that a lot of times parents get nervous about putting their little ones in the kitchen. So a lot of those kid cookbooks, even if they're meant for slightly older kids, really feel more appropriate for younger kids, like early Mm. elementary. But often I find that it's not until kids are tweens or early teens that parents are finally like, I I can't keep up. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be at work late tonight or I have to, you know, and you're going to have to fend for yourself. And just thinking of my own nearly 13-year-old's, Even though he doesn't love to cook and hasn't really taken the opportunity to come into the kitchen with me that often, I know picking up a kid-ish cookbook would not feel great to him or exciting, but then he doesn't have the skills yet to grab a grown-up cookbook. So I feel like this five ingredients is such a genius selection because that's exactly what he needs. It simplifies cooking, but it's going to still feel grown up to him.
2: Yeah, it simplifies it. And and like I said, there's ingredients for each, or sorry, there's photos for each of the ingredients. So as you flip to each recipe, you see five pictures of like, there's a chicken breast, there's a jar of harissa, there's like two cloves of garlic, and it yeah. just feels like you can really visualize sort of how you would approach a recipe in that way. And so I think, yeah, for someone who's sort of at that stage of being ready to take on a little bit more in the kitchen. It is really great.
0: Okay, I have one last question for everyone. What cookbook is on your holiday wish list? I'll start with you, Brian.
2: Start with me. Okay. The one that I'm thrilled about that I haven't yet been able to look at closely and so I'm hoping that I I can get it soon or for the holidays or by for everyone I know, is Jubilee, um, which is the new cookbook from Tony Tipton Martin. And yes. she wrote The Jemima Code. Yes, which yes, is yes. Yes, yeah, she's a historical scholar. She has studied um, for years the history of African-American cooking in the United States. And this is sort of her next volume in, in that succession that has um, that is really a cookbook that sort of pulls together all these recipes. Um, and I think it is just so important for our understanding of culinary arts in the United States and the history that we have of cooking here, Um, but also just like recipes that I think, again, are really craveable and from what I've seen of it, like really accessible and I think um, inspiring and in a really unique way. So. I'm thrilled about that cookbook, and I can't wait to get my hands on it, and I haven't yet. So if anybody's listening and wants to buy me a copy for Thanksgiving or whatever holiday is next.
0: That's perfect. Stacey,
1: what about you? Oh, you're really catching me off guard. I I, I kind of just recently bought the cookbook that I was most excited about, to be honest. Okay, tell us.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, didn't you... Didn't you just buy yourself a cookbook? What is it?
1: Uh, Oaxaca. Oh, Oh. yeah. So it's by Bricia Lopez, who is a, her family owns Guelaguetza, which is a very famous, popular Mexican restaurant in Los Angeles. And I'm actually looking it up as I speak because I know she has a co-author and I don't want to leave the co-author out. She's also a co-host of a podcast called Super Mamas, which is a podcast that we both love. She just opened a cocktail bar in Las Vegas. She's just a force of nature. And she has been such an outspoken proponent of um, immigration rights in the United States and amplifying Mexican culture her family is from Mexico originally and she's just she's really an inspiration and the full name of the cookbook is Oaxaca the food of the region and of LA's legendary restaurant Guelaguetza her co-author is Javier Cabral and it's just so gorgeous it's big and thick and meaty and there's some it's a coffee table cookbook you know there are definitely some simple recipes But then there are also these gorgeous recipes that delve into the history of the dish and Mexico and her relationship to it and beautiful photography. I mean, it's just, it makes me happy. It's been on my coffee table ever since it arrived.
0: I was going to say it feels like a very like maximalist cookbook in the w- in a way that is totally Stacey Billis. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, it's funny. I don't know that it is actually, but I know what you're saying. It's yeah. like it's, it's it goes and deep.
0: colorful. Yeah, yeah. It absolutely. definitely goes deep.
1: It's thick, but like you know, then there's recipes for chilaquiles, which is really really simple. So it's not that every recipe is complicated by any means, but it's just like she's really doing everything she can to celebrate this culture that shaped her, and that honestly shaped so much of Mexican-American cuisine that's really at the heart of how so many Americans eat, no matter where they're from. So I just really love that. I feel like it's a cookbook for the moment in its way. Yes.
0: I feel like we both picked really culturally important cookbooks and mine is purely like sweetness and speaks to the baker in my heart, which is Shauna Seaver's Midwest Maid, which I did. Yes. Buy for myself for my birthday. I pre-ordered it, in fact, because it it came out the week of my birthday in October, and I still haven't had a chance to bake from it yet. So that's actually what my holiday wish list is: is like time and space to bake from Midwest Made.
2: <laughs> I am excited for that book too. I grew up in the Midwest, and uh, my ancestors are Czech, and so we were. I had a lot of like um kolaches and kringles and things like that growing up in the midwest and i i saw i got a glimpse of that book and i am thrilled to get my hands on it too.
0: Yeah, we had the a gooey butter cake recipe on kitchen which people have made and emailed us about being like holy shit, you guys this cake is amazing and oh, they to just that. love it. Yes. So that might be where i start is with gooey butter cake from Midwest Maine.
2: Okay, good to know. <laughs>
0: uh brian thank you so much for joining us it's always so great to have you on
2: of course it's so fun and i love talking cookbooks with you and it's, it's always so hard to narrow it down because i'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here at my desk yeah. literally surrounded by <laughs> mountains of cookbooks from this year and there's just so many great ones so i appreciate yeah. Getting the chance to talk to you about some of my favorites,
0: and if people need more ideas, they should definitely listen to Salt and Spine and visit your website for even more cookbooks and all the interviews that you've done in the last two years.
2: Absolutely, yeah, lots of interviews, and and we feature recipes from every cookbook that we feature, so you can find those on saltandspine.com if you want to have a, a glimpse and try something out before you buy. It's a great way to do it.
1: Thanks, Brian. Thank you. you okay. I love Brian. He's so smart. He's so thoughtful. And he really seems to get like, this cookbook is good for this kind of cook who's trying to accomplish this. Whereas this cookbook is good for this and this and this. So I always really take his
0: recommendations to heart. Love? Yes. I do too. I have a ton of stuff in my shopping cart now.
1: Yeah. Well, I am inspired by Brian's interview style. Yes. And you mentioned a game that he played with Allison Roman. Yes. So Megan, this is so half-baked, and I don't know if it's gonna really work, but I wanna know like your favorite cookbook of the moment and like what lipstick color you would wear. And in a perfect world, like, or an outfit, whatever you imagine, how do you imagine yourself looking in a perfect universe where you're cooking from this cookbook? Like, what's the scenario?
0: OMG, oh, Stacey. <laughs> this is a really fun idea. I don't think it's half-baked at all. I think this could be a whole, like, meme on the internet. It could be, like, a whole series that someone does on their blog, honestly. Because, like, okay, I think of... Midwest made, which is a cookbook that I I bought for myself for, for my birthday, as I mentioned with Brian, and I haven't had a chance to cook through it, but Shauna Seaver, who like, we seem to be talking about a lot in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) She is like, I don't want to say she's the cutest, but she's such a darling. Like she's beautiful and funny and smart and just like that Midwest nice. And I always think of her in like a plaid shirt and a very like polished apron and a classic red lipstick. So I feel like if you're gonna bake from Midwest made, you need a good like Headley and Bennett apron, your, che- your checkered button down and like a classic red lipstick. You know, I'm not enough on makeup to be like, and it would be the Chanel lipstick color XYZ. Cause I don't, I don't know any of them. What about you? If you could pick a cookbook plus an outfit or a lipstick color, what would it be?
1: All right. So I, I'm kind of going with low hanging fruit here. I'm going to, I'm going to take it easy on myself because I am curious. I haven't cooked from it yet, but I am very curious to cook from Alison Roman's Nothing Fancy. Okay. And it is so easy for me to picture the whole like outfit and everything.
0: (laughs) Cause yeah. I don't know. She like, like, this is a little bit of a gimme. Like it is. Is it too much of a gimme? No, I love it. Just do it. It's fun. Okay.
1: So I think that I would probably do <laughs> a cat eye eyeliner mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. like neutral makeup, but like with highlighter on my cheek, like you can tell I'm wearing makeup. It's yeah. not like neutral, like natural. It's just like neutral with a thick cat eye eyeliner and then red nails. Cause you know, I love making sure that my nails are done.
0: That's also just an Alison Rowan for sure. She's Is it? A Does she look like cla- I actually polish. have only
1: seen her like twice.
0: She's super cute.
1: I don't watch her videos, but people like them.
0: Yeah, they're they're great. And she just had a funny, like, I think it was New York Times magazine spread, um, where she cooked, like, Thanksgiving dinner in her tiny apartment, and she wore, like, a Beyonce shirt on the cover of New York Times magazine, and that was sort of, like, the joke that was going around. Anyways. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's so perfect. Um, And
1: I have a pair of black jeans that are ripped in the knees that are perfect, mm-hmm. and I also have a pair of... <laughs> These like yellow leopard they're like mustard but they have a leopard print uh slipper that's kind yeah. of like a shoe that has fur on the bottom <laughs> and I feel like I'd wear that with just, like, a regular, I don't know, like a t-shirt. I don't see the shirt. The shirt Wait, isn't what important. what about
0: your squash the patriarchy shirt? I feel I, could. Like I feel like that's, that's a one. little too
1: on the nose, right? So, like, I would say maybe, like, a black t-shirt and then these black jeans and the, like, the slippers and the red nails and the cat eye.
0: We're just, like, ourselves in other people. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> gonna say i'm 100 like wearing a checked shirt right now i was just gonna say with my hair pulled back in a shauna Seaver low bun yeah because what yeah. you
1: described is pretty much like how i picture you yep <laughs> so i don't know that game came full circle i don't know if in an entertaining way or not so i enjoyed it
0: that's half the battle sometimes of recording this do we enjoy it We did, and we enjoyed
1: recording with Brian, too.
0: Yeah, and we hope you'll subscribe to Salt and Spine. It's such a great podcast, Um, and so much like little tidbits of information in each episode, little tips that you can take away.
1: And we'll link to all the books he
0: mentioned, a lot of them through Salt
1: and Spine, because... I, we're not trying to make you have to click multiple times, but on Sultan's Fine he also like has recipes from the books and we think that could mm. be useful so that you can maybe try a recipe before you invest in a purchase. So forgive us. We're doing it because we think ultimately it will be more helpful. Yes. Cool.
0: Now we want to hear what cookbooks are on your wish list or what's on your Christmas holiday wish list. It's the winter holidays. Mostly so we can steal your ideas. So we'll start a thread in our listeners group. Tell them where they can find us, Stacy. They can find us
1: as Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also join our private listeners group. When you do that, you basically just go to our Facebook page, you see the little word groups, you click on it, and you will be asked a question. The answer is whiskey or painkiller or eggnog or whatever you want to say. That's a cocktail we want to hear from you.
0: Most importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, which we think you do, tell your friends about us and leave a review on iTunes. We read every single review and oftentimes we text each other about how awesome they are. They really boost morale for us around here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen provided by Jim Endo. A huge, humongous, holiday, thankful, thank you, big time to our editors, Jeremy and Samantha Gatsik and the entire team at Counterweight Creative. I'm Stacy
0: And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed. Until next week. Don't forget to smash all
2: five stars on iTunes. Or leave us a review.